It hasn't been that long ago that uh, we were wandering in the wilderness at St. James. Uh, we didn't have a building. We, were, uh, we had sold one building. We closed on the old building, which is, uh, there are even not any remnants of the building, but we used to have a building where St. James Plaza, roughly where St. James Plaza is that way. Uh, we had closed on the building November, November the 4th, 2015, and immediately following that, the next Sunday, we began meeting, which was November the 8th. We began meeting in the Hermitage uh, Grand Meeting Room, if you will, uh, on the bottom floor. And we were without a space uh, that belonged to us. Now, the truth is, if you really think about it, it, it makes us feel uh, at home and safe because this building belongs to us, but it doesn't really belong to us. It's all an illusion anyway. Uh, but we imagine having a space that belongs to us that doesn't require us to set up every Sunday is, is the way it's supposed to be. Now, during that time, leading up to the final sale of our building and uh, leading up to the point at which we purchased this building, uh, on a regular basis, Mark Hayes and I, uh, the current chair of our council, uh, church council here at St. James, had lunch together regularly. Uh, and after a while, we began to have occasional meetings, uh, intentional occasional meetings with individuals who are a part of our church council around the table to talk about what our dreams might be for what God would be doing next. How we might be transformed as a people, particularly since we were a people without a land. And maybe we were wandering around in the wilderness. I, I don't want to say because we were unfaithful, uh, which is why we're told the Israelites wandered for 40 years uh, because uh, they couldn't get their act together, so they needed to wander around for a while. Uh, I, we didn't really wander all that long. It wasn't even close to 40 years. Um, by the d September of the following year, we had purchased this building, and by February of 2017, we moved into this space. So we weren't in or out of a space all that long. But those meals that I had with Mark Hayes and then that he and I had with others around that table changed me. Mark Hayes changed me because in conversation with Mark Hayes, he always expanded the way I saw the world. He uh, touched my heart in ways that I, uh, didn't expect when you're eating at City Kitchen twice a week uh, for lunch. Although they'd had some pretty amazing chicken salad sandwiches that they, they don't have anymore. Broke my heart. But uh, sometimes at table when you're sitting with somebody else and they offer you a different perspective on things, you are changed. You are transformed. You are made new. Um, today's story is about just such a person whose life has changed. Today we're going to be looking at Luke, the chapter 19, 
beginning with verse 1. And I will be reading to you the story of a guy whose name is Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a great story. It's a great story for a wide number of reasons, not just least of which is the cool name Zacchaeus. I've always thought that would be a cool name. Joshua was really happy, I think, that uh, I didn't think it was the coolest name in the Bible and that I didn't try to convince Linda we should name him Zacchaeus. Um, he's happy with Joshua. Um, but as I look at this story, I see a lot of elements uh, that are common to us all. First of all, Zacchaeus wanted to figure out who this Jesus guy was. He wanted to... Uh, he wanted not only to see him, it's very interesting. He wanted to see, uh, it says he, want, he wanted to see who Jesus was. As if by looking at him, perhaps you'd know exactly who he is. And maybe that's true, I don't know. Uh, but for whatever reason, he wanted to see who this Jesus was. Now, I think that for a long time, that's what churches existed for is that it would be a place where Jesus could be seen. Uh, that you would come and you might catch a glimpse of who Jesus was. It might come in the preaching, it might come in the music, it might come in the prayer. It, it might very well come at the table where the bread is broken and the cup is shared. But in some way, Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. And I am convinced we live in a world where people would like to see who Jesus was. Not just who we say he was, and not just so they can sign on the bottom line to be a part of our communities of faith. Although, many people do, some people don't. They would like to know that there is some good news that might be for them. They would like to know that there might be a universal being somewhere who thinks they're important enough to be concerned about. 
They'd like to be part of a story that's bigger than theirs. I think Zacchaeus is just such a character. He wants to see who Jesus is because maybe if seeing, in seeing who Jesus is, his life could have meaning for him. Now, we all imagine, if we follow the American dream, that our life will have meaning if we have bigger bank accounts, better titles, and uh, lots of lavish stuff that invites everyone to think how wonderful we are, including ourselves. And Zacchaeus has already lived that life. He, we're told he's the chief tax collector and rich. But we also have a little piece that's left out for us. Now, if you've heard enough sermons about Zacchaeus or about tax collectors in the first century, you already know this. But let's imagine for a moment you've never heard about these first century tax collectors. They're essentially people who work for a foreign power and uh, collude with the enemy, that is, with the Romans, to uh, make sure you pay your taxes. They're backed by the local Roman army. Uh, they could have soldiers uh, and order them to do various things in order to make sure that the taxes that they needed to collect were collected. And it could also mean that if they said that they would get you 10 bucks, if they charge 12 and still give you 10, they get to keep two. So they sign a contract to do that kind of work. Well, you can imagine that for Zacchaeus, that meant that he did not fit in at the local synagogue. A place where he was supposed to know about the love of God told him that he was now an outsider. You're nobody. Why are you nobody? Because you're working for somebody else. And that makes you a sinner. That makes you a sinner because you can't work for somebody else. So Zacchaeus wants to see if there could be a different message. Could there be a way that he would be valued? Could there be a, a way that he, even though he did this other thing, might be seen as something different than that? But he also realizes that if he wants to see who Jesus is, chances are pretty good he's not going to see him where Jesus normally goes to do all of his teaching, and that's in the synagogue, because Zacchaeus is not welcome there anymore. But there's a way through town that leads to the places that other people go in Jericho. So he does something. He runs ahead and he climbs a tree. Now to you and me, running ahead and climbing trees is not a big deal. Now, to me it's a big deal. At 59, I'll just give you a heads up, running doesn't come quite as easily as it did say 40 years ago for me. And climbing trees is something that my wife would discourage heavily because I am more likely to fall out of the tree than I am to stay in the tree. So we don't climb a lot of trees. But in the first century, this was a way to lose face and gain shame in the community. Running for adult men, no, no, no. Climbing trees for adult men, absolutely not. So as if Zacchaeus isn't already an outsider enough, he's willing to do some pretty interesting things. He's willing to run and climb 
all so that he can see who Jesus is. He's willing to take a risk. He's willing to take a risk because he wants to know, are the rumors he's heard about this Jesus true? And what will he discover? So I can only imagine Zacchaeus is sitting in the tree and sycamores are really kind of more like bushes than they are trees. But in any case, he's sitting in the tree waiting for Jesus to come by with the entourage. And as the entourage is passing, Jesus looks up at him and sees him. And do you know how we know he sees him? Besides that the text says that he sees him? He calls him by name. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come on down from that tree because I'm coming to your house today. Now, of course, if you're like me and you grew up in Sunday school, you learned about the song Zacchaeus and you sang it a bazillion times and you can recount. Some of it is not accurate to the actual story of Zacchaeus, if I remember some of the lines. But we sang it. And when I was a little guy in Sunday school, boy, I could sing that with everybody. I'm not doing it for you now, by the way. You're very fortunate that that's not going to happen right now. Uh, Jesus calls him by name and says, I'm going to your house. And then he does. Now, of course, there are always people in the crowd who don't like the way things are going. Clearly, Jesus isn't who he is seems to be, and why do we know that? Because everyone else in the crowd says, if he were really who he thinks he is, or who we thought he was, he would not be going to the house of a sinner. He'd be going somewhere else. He'd be coming to my house. I'm actually the coolest dude in town. Don't you know I'm part of the Jericho Posse, and you want to be with me. You want to hang out in my house. And you're going to Zacchaeus' house? He's an outsider. He doesn't even count anymore. A little grumbling. Get a whole sentence of grumbling. And then Jesus goes to his house. And Zacchaeus' life is changed. We are told salvation. In fact, Jesus pronounces this. Salvation comes to his house. Now, can we just be honest? Salvation is a word we don't know what to make of today. What is salvation? healing, wholeness, being made a person again. To be saved, and the same word is used in, uh, in the Gospels a lot, to be saved is to be healed, is to be made whole, is to be made yourself again, the self God made you to be. That is salvation. To not be somebody else masquerading as a person other than yourself. Zacchaeus is changed. And we know he's changed because he recognizes that the thing he put his trust in all this time, money and power, he's willing to give away. I'm giving back the money, and if I've defrauded anyone, and chances are pretty good if you're a tax collector, you've defrauded somebody. I'm not saying in the 21st century. I'm saying in the first century. There's a pretty good chance you've defrauded somebody. 
Biblical law required if, uh, if, uh, if you're a good son of Abraham, uh, child of God, the law required that you pay back a 20% penalty if you defraud somebody. Zacchaeus says, I'll pay him back four times what I defrauded them of. I'm going to go overboard. I'm going to go above and beyond the law because the law is not enough. The man is changed by someone calling him by name and coming to dinner at his house. He is changed. I don't know about any of you. I told you the story at the beginning about how just having meals over a long period of time Mark may have felt like it was interminable, like it was never going to end. We were having meals all the time. Uh, I don't think he feels that way. But over that period of time, his larger view of the world helped to change me, to transform me. Imagine if Jesus' view of you, which is much bigger than your view of you, came to dine at your house how that might change you. You think you're limited by all the mistakes you've made. You think you can only be as valuable as what you do or your title or your pile of cash or your retirement account or the honors that have been given you in a lifetime. And what Jesus sees is this infinitely precious, unconditionally loved person that since before time, God imagined since before time began I am convinced God imagined you and now you're in form and God loves that God loves you God knows your name Jesus even made it more extreme in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, God knows the hairs on your head. And they're numbered. God knows you. God loves you. And if you believe it, it changes you. Zacchaeus believed it. First, he just wanted to see it. Then Jesus called him by name, invited himself to his house, and Zacchaeus was changed because he believed in a God big enough to love him just the way that he was, despite the grumblings of others in the community who didn't think he was worth anything anymore. God saw him for more than that. And God sees you for more than you are or imagine that you could be. I don't know about you, but I carry a lot of things in my life. Realizations of mistakes I've made, words I might have said at inappropriate times, and slowly what is happening in my life as I give myself over more and more to this faith and to this God who is bigger than I am, is that those things don't carry the weight they once did. I thought they defined me. 
They just tell me where I've been. Because right now, in this space, the only place I can be, by the way, right now, is here. And in this space, right now, right here, God knows my name. In this space, right here, right now, God invites me to this table. Always. I'm always welcome by name at the table. Right here and right now, God sees me and says, none of that matters, James. I'm healing you. I'm making you whole. I'm bringing you to a new place. And God is saying the same thing to every one of you. God sees in you who you are. And it's not the mistakes. And it's not the titles. And it's not the money. And it's not any of those other things. It's bigger than all of that. Because you are precious and loved just as you are. So, if the table can be a transformational place, oughtn't you envision it that way when you come to the table? When you sit down at the table, can you be honest with God in your blessing prayer that you say? Can you be open with God in those moments when you sit before the food on your table and recognize that the host of every meal you have is God. The provider of every meal that you have is God. And all God sees when God looks at you is love. All that other stuff, not so important. Wouldn't that change the way you interact with the rest of the world? Doesn't that change you when you're accepted for who you are? Received by name? Because that's what this table is when we do it on Sunday, but it's also every table you are. I encourage you the next time you're at table, whether it's by yourself, accepting yourself is a good thing, but look around the table. Whoever's with you, might be one other, might be six others. These days it's rarely six others, unless you have uh, several other folks in your house, maybe five others four others. Um, however many people are at that table, look at them and recognize, you know, whatever I think about them, God already loves them. God already loves them and sees all the best in them. And this table is a place where the best can be seen in me and the best can be seen in them. And if we could learn to see the best in each other and ourselves, the world would be a different place. I encourage you to let your table be a place of welcome, acceptance, and transformation when you sit together. One of the things that we do as people of faith at St. James is pray. I wanna pray for every one of you, whether you're watching or in person or whether you won't ever see this that you will know how loved you are and that it will change you. I wanna pray for those who are making the transitions in life, 
Some people are transitioning from college into work. Some people are transitioning from work into retirement. Some people are transitioning from job to job. Some people are transitioning from unemployment to employment or employment to unemployment. Uh, many of our sisters and brothers are transitioning from being refugees from Afghanistan to potentially having a place amongst us. I read about those folks. It's going to take a while. We're having a terrible house of sh housing shortage for people who are already here. That same thing will impact our siblings who come to us from Afghanistan. I'm reading about violence in Lebanon, and so I hold that up in my heart. I hear about violence in people's homes, violence in the words we say to each other. We need a lot of transformation that comes only from truly accepting the love of God and being changed by it. For now, that's uh, probably enough. Unless I turn to Linda and there are no, nope, no other requests. David is still at home. Just a, an update on David. You know, it's home, or home, no, home, hospital, home, hospital, home, hospital, rehab, home, hospital. So right now, home, still home. Week later, it's great. So we're going to go to God in a moment of silence. Um, perhaps God's going to come to us in a moment of silence, you know, as if we could ever escape from God. Uh, I'm going to pray out loud for us, and then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together. Could we enter into a moment of silence? Gracious and loving God, all over your world, all over this universe that you love, things are happening. Things we might label good, things we might label bad, things we feel pretty neutral about. And yet in the midst of all of those things, you are with us. You are here with us now. You are inviting us to table, knowing that we are always, always, and everywhere welcome at your table. You invite us to come and share a meal that has the potential to change us. As we take of your body and blood, we are transformed. As it works at our very molecular level. Lord, as we come before you this day, we're aware that this world you care for is broken in various ways. It's broken in the way we relate to each other, 
because of the color of our skin, because of our nationalities, because of our religious differences, because of our gender differences and our sexual orientation and everything else under God's green earth, we can find a reason to think those people, whoever they are, are not loved by you. And that must really, really <laughs> grate at you. Although infinite love, you love us in spite of those things that break us. Help us, O oh God, to see who you made us to be so that we can see who you made everyone else to be as well. Infinitely loved, unconditionally loved and precious to you in this world. For all the people who are making transitions and changes in life in whatever place they find themselves, may they find courage, hope, and wholeness, healing in the broken places that comes from you. May we love with a courage and a passion like you love us and everything else. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of your son, Jesus, who taught us when we prayed together that we could use this model prayer. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.